Welcome to a Lidditz podcast. This week we have Lidditz resident Cheryl Williams. Cheryl's an actress, historian, model, voiceover artist, history reenactor, YouTube host, and even a stand-up comedian. We had a great time talking to Cheryl about her amazing life, and we hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. History is like, it's not dull. And so many people will talk to me and they'll say, wow, I wish they had taught history like this. And it is so much more than dates. It's alive because it's people. And people, human nature, for better or worse, like doesn't change. And so what we try to convey is that these were people living their lives and they maybe spoke differently and dressed differently and worshiped differently, but they're still humans. And let's make them live again. Welcome, Cheryl, to the program. We're happy to have you. Well, thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. I'm flattered to be included in the show. So thank you. So let's start at the beginning. Um, we always ask our guests, you know, how, how they came to Lidditz, what, what brought them to town? Because I, I know you're not from here. So what brought you to this area? Well, my boyfriend um, actually lives up here and we met actually doing reenacting a few years ago and I had been living in Sparks, Maryland um, in my own place and then the pandemic hit and I thought I'm going to refugee north. So I packed, I literally packed my valuables in a carpet bag and like fled to Craig's house and I've been, because I was like, I don't, I didn't know, I mean, honestly, how many of us have ever had a living memory of a pandemic? So I thought, are they going to close the border? between Pennsylvania and Maryland? Do I really want to spend this pandemic by myself? Like many of us, we had no idea what was going to happen. And so I thought, I'm just going to like stay at Craig's because, you know, I had been working in television and of course that was shut down the minute the pandemic hit. So I thought, well, it can't last that long. So I thought I'll just stay at Craig's and hang out there and wait this pandemic out. And I'm still here a year and a half later. And I got to the point where, well, this is crazy. I like Lidditz. I'm just going to like move there. So that's what happened. So I'm assuming you, you've been here before the pandemic. I mean, what uh, yes. what was your experience like in Lidditz? I mean, um, we usually wait till later in the show, but I'll ask you right now. What are, what are your summer, some of your favorite places in Lidditz that you like oh. to go to? Oh, my gosh. Like downtown Lidditz is like off the chain, like all the little boutiques and the stores. Um, uh, my favorite place is the Bull's Head Tavern. That place is awesome. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you can't get a bad meal there. Everybody in this town is like so nice. They're all really good drivers, very courteous, very kind. I just was like, every time I would come up here, I'm like, why don't I live here? So it just kind of took the pandemic to like force my hand, I guess. So, and then my dad actually moved up here too, but unfortunately he had a heart attack and died like two and a half months ago. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I mean, not for sympathy, but I'm just saying it's really too bad because he was living at Legend and he had a beautiful apartment. And now I thought, gosh, we're all going to be together. But, you know, you just never know what's going to happen. You just don't. But yeah, so you were born and raised in the Maryland area. Tell us about that. Mm -hmm. I was um, adopted out of foster care. I was born um, in Baltimore City. And the uh, Episcopal Church had, a, like, I guess, an adoption agency, and um, I was adopted by my parents, and I was really young, so I don't remember it, and I sort of grew up in a suburb of Baltimore called Towson. Um, oh, sure. Okay. And that's where I grew up. And my sister and I did all the things that people in Baltimore do. We went to Orioles games and ate steamed crabs and went to the harbor, uh, went sailing. I'll never forget the time we took an exchange student sailing and dumped my sister in the water. I've never laughed so hard in my life. No, my so, word. 
<laughs> we were we're good now. We're it was an now, accident, right? I used right? to torment her. Air, air quotes. It was an accident, right? <laughs> yeah, that's it. We didn't mean for that to happen. Oh, I, and you know the harbor dude is like nasty water. Yeah. So uh, the, my my cousin was like would tell me when I was a kid. Oh my gosh, if you dip your big toe in there, it'll come out like a skeleton bone. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I was like totally trying. And I'm like, oh, Kimmy, are you going to be like a skeleton bone when you come out of here? Come on. We, ha we have to talk more about Baltimore because honest and truly it is. And I'm not even saying this. It is one of my favorite cities. And I got especially excited when I saw Fells Point on your resume. Uh, another oh, no, one of my favorite little areas. And I have to ask, uh, actually, it's not it's, it's less of a question and more of a complaint. You know, there's and you'll appreciate this. And not a lot of our listeners will understand or appreciate what I'm about to say, but. You know, you just can't get burger cookies here in Lancaster County. You know, you are so right, my friend. I have not seen. In fact, you can get them shipped to you, but it'll cost you an arm and a leg, hon. Oh, my gosh. Another thing you can't get in Lancaster is Natty Bow. I didn't know that. I do low carb and keto, so I'm not necessarily like a beer drinker. Plus, I have a thousand allergies. Um, but before I had all these weird allergies, we used to go down to the uh, Mount Royal Tavern. Oh, right sure. in the city where you could get a natty bow, a 16 ounce natty bow and a pickled onion for like three bucks. I oh, mean, that, that's eating good, hon. Oh, my oh gosh. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, Baltimore is definitely oh. quite a unique place. I love it. Have you ever been to Atomic Books? Yes, because I totally used to be not like I'm like, it's just I go through these like phases. Yeah. But I used to be like a total like Fangoria like comic-con like yes i yes. go to the, the shore leave you know at, at the mahunt valley marriott in baltimore uh-huh so yeah so in fact i was just before the pandemic it was in 2019 i had um sort of done a podcast with some people down there and um we were we were down there then they were having like a, a, a book signing and whatever at atomic books and a friend of mine invited me along and i was like oh yeah i remember this place hamden is awesome the hunfest is awesome I was a hun, you know, portrayed a hun a couple of years in a row down there. I mean, you know what they say is like, the higher the hair, the closer to God. That's right. Did you ever meet, uh, did you ever run into John Waters? We went, he, he, I've never met him like personally, but every once in a while he'll still do like, I guess you'd call it a comedy concert. This man is so amazing. How can you not love him? All he She's, does. He's, he's hilarious. He is like a national treasure. I'm not lying. Really... He, that guy will just sit on that stage and talk about his life and you're like crying laughing. Oh he's yeah. Just, he's a national treasure. He's so great. So no, I've never met him. I'd love to. But I've never met him. But he just, by all accounts, he is kind and classy and funny and just a really nice man and humble. Really nice. So, so tell us, Cheryl, what, what kind of uh, brought you into this world of, I mean, your, your resume is robust with TV shows and theater and acting gigs. And where did that all start from? You know, what's, what's that origin story? I'll try to make it a long story short, which for me is like pretty much impossible because I have like rampant ADHD and I like, I'm like, so I will make the best of the short story here. Um, in 2014, I was working at, and it's still, still there and it's awesome. It's a, it's a steam engine. It's a, it's a reproduction Civil War steam engine. And I was one of their costume tour guides. And I had been a reenactor for a couple of years. So I had all these like Civil War costumes. And some friends of mine in Baltimore um, own, it's like a combination, like very large house in event hall called Charlotte's Chapel. And this director that they grew up with in Baltimore named Joe Anastasio, and he's like, the best person ever. I love this guy. Um, 
one of the one of the partners called me and they said, Cheryl, we know you do civil war reenacting and Joe's making a movie in Baltimore this summer and they need extras to put on civil war costumes. And I was like, okay, sweet. I'm I'm down with that. So I like basically I was living I had an apartment, but I was living with my parents at that point for a variety of reasons. But where I was working at the steam engine was like really close by in New Freedom. So I sort of, it was like, I was like 12. It's like, I had to make an excuse to sneak out of the house because mm-hmm. it was the middle of winter. So I'm like, oh, I got to go down to the apartment and get mail. See you in four hours. So I go, <laughs> you know, I mean, and they're like, yeah, okay, whatever. That must have been doing. one long driveway. I know, right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Shoveling that driveway. Well, that's another story. So, <laughs> any, so anyway, like I go to the event hall and it's a huge casting call. I mean, it's like what you would think. It's like, you know, 50, 60 people in line and everybody was there and they had the cameras, you know, and the clapper and it was all very, you know, professional and scary and whatnot. And so I got to my place in line and Joe just turned on the camera and the guy hit the clapper and he said, just tell me about yourself. And 10 minutes later, they're like, okay, you can stop. You can stop now. And I was like, oh man, I blew that one. So I, you know, I left and I didn't hear anything. I didn't expect to hear anything because if you're an extra, like for these kind of movies, a lot of times you get a salary bump if you have your own wardrobe because that's something they don't have to do so i was like okay be an extra in a movie cool so i didn't think another thing of it and then time went by and finally joe calls me and he's like you know we would like to actually read you for the part of marlene who is a principal and i'm like you've got to be kidding and he's like yeah we really liked what you did so i'm like sweet so then i go and i read for marlene and now it's down to like me and like one other girl and you know now i want it you know now i'm like oh, i can't just walk away from this you know now i want to know so i'm like i'm still not going to get it now at this point i said something to my parents and my dad's like listen if you want to be an extra that's that's fun you know he said but i don't know about the movies and i'm like yeah well i'm probably not going to get it well then then like a couple of weeks later I get a call. I'm online. I don't know. I guess I can say this. I was, I have a lot of allergies, like I said, and I, I had to get like a colonoscopy. I know it's like TMI, but I'm online and I'm looking for like some kind of sulfate, non-sulfate colonoscopy prep that I can like use. And so Joe calls and he's like, what are you doing right now? And I said, I'm looking right now online for a non-sulfate colonoscopy prep. How about you? (laughs) and he was like well are you sitting down and I'm like yeah and of course then he told me that I had gotten the part and I was like you gotta be kidding I mean I was like wow so I go and you know we shoot the movie and I'm talking to him later you know on the second movie that I made with him which is another story and I'm like I'm like I'm so glad you chose me. So he's like, he's like, yeah, the other girl was just too sexy and we liked you. Oh, no. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. I don't care. I don't care. Everybody loves a clown, right? But Joe is like <laughs> a good friend. And I'm just like, you know, it was one of those, you know, I'm sitting right here moments, but that's okay. It's all good. <sighs> oh, my gosh. So that's, that wasn't exactly a short story, but that sort of started it. And then after that, then I had to go to my mom and dad. And again, I was very close to both of my parents. They were like my best friends. And I feel their loss very keenly. I feel like they left me too soon. So anyway, I was real close. So I went to them and I said, okay, this is what I'm going to try. And I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give myself one year. And if I'm not working in a year, I have to admit that maybe this isn't for me. But then I did start working. 
So they had to admit that, like, maybe this was, you know, something that I could do. Now, every actor at my level, you know, you still have a part-time job. I'm certainly not an A-lister, you know. I mean, so you, you work when you can and you hustle when you can. And, you know, you sort of go paycheck to paycheck. But there's, like, no greater feeling. Everything else that's ever been bad in my life falls away when I'm acting. And believe it or not, I think that I am an introvert. But, like, when I'm doing stuff like this, it's like, it's not that I'm not me. But it's like everything else falls away. And there's just, I don't mean to sound like, ooh, artsy, blah, blah, whatever. But there is like that moment where it's like so pure. Like you're just existing in like the character that you are. And it's pure and it's joy. And it's just what makes me want to go on living. And I don't know how else to describe it. So maybe that's too dramatic. Oh, well, I'm an actor. I guess I'm dramatic. Well, I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, no. This is great. So then that, that turned into TV shows like Racing the Times, Pearl Buck, yeah. A Life, A Legacy, Evil Kitten, and yeah. uh, eventually The Time Capsule, where you yeah. ho hosted. Um, tell us about, uh, we'll kind of go in reverse here. Tell us about The Time Capsule. Well, that was like, okay, so this was another one of these auditions that turned into something else. I had auditioned... Um, through a woman in Baltimore who did a lot of um, like public TV and cable access. Her name is Loretta Gubernatis, a really, really good producer, a writer. She's like a, a quadruple threat. This lady can do anything, and she's been wonderful to me. Um, so I auditioned to just be like a show host on one of the morning shows that she produced. I guess, I think it was like, you know, one of those shows like Good Morning Baltimore. And I thought, all right, you know, I'm going to go for that. Because my dad was starting to feel better. They had been in a car accident, my parents, and my dad was starting to feel better. And I thought, all right, for the second time now, I'm going to try to go back to acting. So I auditioned and I talked to Loretta and then I, I didn't, it was one of those things, again, you, you do the audition and you kind of just have to walk away and go, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be whatever onto the next one. So she calls me and she's like, this was like in the middle of the summer in 2019, in the evening, she calls me and she's like, you know, we're developing a show to do with reenactors and, you know, history and things like that. And we would like you um, to be the host of it. She said, because not only are you an actor and an on-camera talent, uh, but, you know, you write. And you're most importantly a reenactor. And I get, I say, I kind of got where she was coming from because a lot of stuff they do about reen, and I didn't realize this until I was one. A lot of people make like mean fun of reenactors, like like they like like they would make fun of like comic book nerds, or it's really it's it's not necessary. And a lot of reenactors, if you approach them to do interviews or on camera stuff, they're very wary of it. I had a friend even in a reenacting group and I said, you know, I'd like to do a segment. And right away, he's like, I'm not comfortable with it. Hmm. And that's what I said that from the very beginning, that this show would be done with love and respect. I'm not serious very often, but I was really serious about this. And Loretta and I were on the same page. And so that's how we, you know, you can poke fun and everybody has a laugh. And that's the way you should do it. You can see the foibles and the warts and everything else that goes with it. Um, but we would do, let's see, we did the Reading Air Show. We did the Gettysburg reenactment. Uh, we shot footage that was never used at a steampunk festival in New Freedom. We shot, uh, we did a wonderful segment with a friend of mine on the Tuskegee Airmen in World War II. And then we were, we were rolling along with that. And then the pandemic hit. And of course, all production was shut down. And it's sort of never survived, unfortunately. But I feel like, you know, like I said, everything is meant to happen. I really believe that. I'm not just blowing smoke. I think that everything, I, again, I don't mean to say, I think everything sort of leads you to the place where you're supposed to be. I never used to believe that, but I've been through a lot of stuff. And I really, I really, I really do believe that. 
So, you know, other things will happen. Other things are happening. You just have to be like open to it. So. Well, and, and eventually before the pandemic, I see you also appeared on C-SPAN. Do you want to tell us about that? Oh, yeah, that was really, yeah, that was cool. Okay, so the uh, American, I think it's the Army Heritage Education Center in Carlisle, before the pandemic, two times a year, um, would basically do what they call a timeline event. And reenacting what that is, is they line you up. It's every era conceivable from ancient Roman to Vietnam. And you have your little area and you're in your wardrobe, you know, you're, you're, your clothing of the era and you have a presentation so craig and i because we do a lot of this together in fact he even worked on the show with me who knew he was such a good cameraman we were at the carlisle um and this was 2019 again it was right before the pandemic and we were doing um soviet world war ii we do everything from like revolutionary war through vietnam and that was our one we were portraying soviet world war ii i was a female partisan and he was a Soviet cavalry officer. So C-SPAN fairly regularly would send, you know, they would send somebody out to do footage and segments on sort of the more unusual presentations. And this very lovely man named Richard Hall from C-SPAN came by and he sort of prepped us and he said, I'm going to come by later. Can I, can I film you? Can I get about a half hour? And like Craig, you know, Craig is a lawyer. So, of course, he likes to talk to and I like to talk and we're like, yeah, 30 minutes, no problem. Yeah. They'll have to get the hook, you know? <laughs> and so so we did that. And then I talked to Richard Hall later and I said, you know, we're also doing something on Victorian prostitution and gender roles in Victorian America at the Gettysburg Reunion. Because I know like all of the, the productions, they look for something a little unusual to get the audience interested. And he said, well, I'll talk to somebody. Well, oh my gosh, dude, we get to Gettysburg, right? And they had told me they were going to send somebody. They had the whole van. They had this gigantic C-SPAN van. And like my friends are like, oh my gosh, you were telling the truth. I'm like, yeah, uh-huh. Even I couldn't believe it, but it was awesome because they had this gigantic traveling display from C-SPAN. And the guy, they sent the cameraman around, again, very nice. We shot a segment on the Victorian prostitution. We each did our spiel and that's that's what we did. And so we, it was just nice, you know, it was it, because the whole thing is not only Am I an actor? And is Craig basically an actor? But you want to feel like you're getting not a message to, you know? And so yeah. that's, the, that's the other part of what I think what we do is, is like, I would hope that people are engaged by it and can respond to it. Because that's how I got into this as a kid. My dad dragged me to every battlefield and reenactment. And now he drew the line of dressing up. No, that's weird. That's weird. Mm, mm, that's weird. Can't do that. Mm, mm, bring me a scotch. Mm. So, but anyway, so he drew the line at the at the costumes. Um, but I just jumped into it with both feet. And my sister, even who is like like way less like goofy than I am, she's a vice president of Wells Fargo, and she's got a great sense of humor. But it's on the inside. Um, even she loves history. You know, we were both all our vacations as kids were like to Boston. And, you know, to, we would make grave rubbings in cemeteries and we would walk all over battlefields. And we came up here to go to Wheaton, to go mm -hmm. to uh, Buchanan South. Every single vacation we had was like that, you know. Mm -hmm. So now as an adult, all I want to do is go to Ocean City and sit on the beach, hon. That's what I do. <laughs> you um, obviously grew up in Maryland, um, but then you would come up here and even um, visiting your boyfriend. Is there like certain places that you that you like to visit? And like since... Lit it, since you are kind of like a historian and everything like that, like you love history and obviously you're talking to Mr. Lidditz himself um, and you both are very 
you both have so much knowledge and so much like history running through your blood. What is like one place that you love about Lit? It's like what's one historical place in Lit's that you like, or um, even even personally visiting. Uh, and I didn't just as a disclaimer, I didn't. This is a perfect segue to where we met, and I promise I didn't uh, <laughs> ask him to tell to uh, to uh, write that down and ask that question. So, yeah, that's actually a perfect segue. Thanks, Tim and Cheryl. Why don't you tell tell uh, our listeners how you and I met and. Uh, it involved another character, uh, actually two characters, Ben Franklin. And uh, and uh, so, so why don't you kind of tell us about uh, how we met and the character you portrayed a couple weeks ago? Oh, gosh, yeah. No, gee, that was the totally... This, again, it's Providence. I really believe Providence was like a capital P, my friend, because Craig was the one really engaged to do this performance that night. And so I had sort of tagged along. And finally, he said to me... I think it would be all right if you came along as Madame Briand, um, who was a lady of the French court and truly um, in real life, a lifelong friend. She was a married lady, much younger than Ben Franklin, a lifelong friend. Even when he was in Paris, he was actually kind of a, her three doors down neighbor in the neighborhood. Um, she became, they became very fond of each other. Uh, he, she looked at him as a father figure. Her father has died, had died when she was very young and she saw Ben as a father figure. He in the beginning, of course, was hoping for more, but that kind of didn't work out that they did remain friends. So anyway, uh, Craig says, you want to come along? And I'm like, yeah, because remember, I have not worked, most of the actor friends that I have, and myself included, had not worked since this pandemic began because they just, there was no place to go, you know? So I jumped at that and I said, yeah, sure. And so that's what I did. And I was like, yay, I can still fit in the costume because, you know, during the pandemic, you sit home and you drink vodka and eat cheese. It's, oh, did I say that in my out loud voice? But I could still fit in the costume. Is this, is this mic on? Hot mic? <laughs> Yeah, right. I'm very, what you see is what you get, my friend. I mean, I don't, I would never go out of my way to be offensive. I may be offensive naturally. And for that, I apologize in advance. Um, but anyway, I got the costume on and I got the wig on. And I said, yes, I would like to go along and do this. So I studied up on Madame Briand. And I do speak some French. I speak fairly good conversational French. And I thought, yeah, I can I can do this. And I do. I've, I've studied improv and I enjoy improv. So I thought and my segment was like much shorter than his. So I said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll come along. And that's how I met you all. And gosh, like I said, you made us feel appreciated and welcome and just it was a really great experience and like i said i'm hoping we can be invited back i know we're, we're, we're planning to come back for the world war ii craig will be doing um a quartermaster a world war ii quartermaster officer and i'll be portraying um a u.s army ground forces army army nurse and i'll talk a little bit about i guess the pacific theater and how the nurses um were invaded on corregidor and how they were captured by the japanese and basically survived by, I kid you not, fixing themselves up every day, wearing lipstick. I mean, there's a great, it's a great story. And my friend Rebecca tells it better. We're going to try to get her in on this too, because she's the one who really knows the story. So I've sort of just learned from her. So. Yeah, but we were happy to have you and we had, we had a blast. And uh, I, I know before the two presentations, uh, you and Benjamin Franklin and the, the other, the other gal, uh, 
walked around town and uh, just to kind of stir up interest for the event. Uh, what what was that like? How, how, how did that go over? <laughs> yeah, Rebecca's awesome. Okay, I also yeah. met her doing reenacting. And she does some colonial. She does Civil War. Her main area of study is World War II. So she was up for the weekend. So I take her down in the basement, which is like we have it separated. It's like costume and wardrobe for me, costume and wardrobe for him. And we're close to the same size. So I said, would you like to come along as my lady's maid? And she's like, yeah, I'm in. So we put her in a costume and we brought her along. And she ended up walking walking up and down the street with Ben. And I was like, you know, this wig is way too hot. Can I stay inside and just do photos? So that's how we sort of split that up. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of, they. I'm sure they they totally generated a lot of interest because I know we went, we broke that primary rule of theater, but whatever, everything goes. We didn't take our costumes off after the performance and we just like walked down to the Bulls <laughs> tavern oh. and like had something to eat because we were all like starving. That's but amazing. But it was fun because, again, it's it's like, what did you do? Well, we were at the Lutz Historical Foundation and we did blah, blah, blah. So, you know, it's advertising. It's all good. Yeah. And, and only in Lutz where uh, you guys can hang around our, our 1700s buildings and a uh, professional photographer pulls up, takes tons of pictures of different poses, you know, have you guys walking down the street. I know, right? Jun yeah. Jumps back in her car and drives away. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's like drive by, it's like right. drive by picture taking. You but know? that was, that was Amy Spangler. She's amazing. And uh, I'll, I'll get those, I'll try to get those photos, but uh, she's a big fan of our podcast. And, and, and truth be told, she knew you guys were going to be there. So she was actually waiting. And uh, oh, that's uh, so cool though. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm like all over that, man. She was awesome. She was completely awesome and so sweet. Yeah. So that was totally fun. And like, like, seriously, dude. Oh, I don't want my picture taken. Said no actor ever. Okay? Right. <laughs> right. Uh, so do you have a favorite between film, TV and theater? Do you have a favorite out of those three that you enjoy more than uh, the others? I think like every I don't know if I had my druthers, man, I would like totally do theater. But I'm not going to lie. Theater is probably the hardest work of all. You know, it's like it's like the icing on the cake. Like you probably typically don't make a lot of money unless you're like, you know, Al Pacino on Broadway. This is why I think a lot of actors finally, once they do television and movies, they really they want to bite into it. You know, they want to choose some scenery and show their chops and do theater because theater is like that's love. That's a labor of love because you don't get a do over, my friend. You know, they don't fix it in post. You know, you're up right. there and you are you're 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 like you're like sort of metaphysically naked in front of all these people and so but if you can do that oh gosh because like you get like this instant you, you know that every actor talks about this you get this like instant back and forth between like you and the audience and there's nothing like it because you don't have that when you shoot television or movies you have a crew around you and you have to pretend that they're not there and it's it's different it's it's sterile i guess in a way but i still love it it's all acting yeah know? So it's yeah, all good. I like it all. That's right. And speaking of acting, um, I, I guess sort of it kind of fits into this category. If if that's not enough, you've also done stand-up comedy, stand-up for mental health. And uh, I understand that's an important cause to you. And uh, tell us about that. How did that all come about? It started actually, well, obviously a lot of this starts when you're first diagnosed with a mental illness and I don't know how else to put it. And I hope that's, but it is what it is. And I'll, you know, I'll full disclosure because I stood up and talked about it. Um, I have 
ADHD. Um, I was anorexic. Um, I've had really severe anxiety and depression. And I've encountered because I'm fairly open about it. Not And, and you know, per, that's a personal choice. Whether you disclose it or not is totally up to you. I have chosen to disclose it because I'm hoping that you know, the more you talk about it, and this is true, maybe the more people will get help. Because a lot of people, it's true what they say, people don't want to get help. Because not only is there like stigma, but there is, it's, it's not, it's not a prejudice on purpose, but insurance companies don't want to cover it. Uh, if you go to like your EAP on a regular job, you can you can be stigmatized and people don't even know it. You know, you could possibly lose your job. They're not going to tell you that's why. But, you know, I had personally in one job had someone say to me, well, we think that what's going on in your mind is affecting your work. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I'm not mad. I mean, that's just unfortunately the way it is. So the biggest thing to my mind is get out there and bust the stigma. And I had been volunteering for the National Alliance on Mental Illness for a couple of years doing uh, what they call the In Our Own Voice program. And again, that's for people who want to basically kind of come out of that closet and talk about their own experiences as what we call a consumer of mental health services. And that's that's what it's called. So I would start like, going around telling my story. And then there was this man, a wonderful man who has also been diagnosed with mental illness, and he's very open about it, named David Granrier. And David is a Canadian, um, and he is a stand-up comic. He's won several awards. You can find anything he's done on YouTube. He is a, an extraordinary human being, and a very nice man. And through NAMI, he goes all over the country, and it's called Stand Up for Mental Health. That's the program that he founded. And what he does is he takes people who have been diagnosed with mental illness who want to get out there and bust the stigma and make a joke out of it sort of in a good way. Because I don't know whether it was St. Augustine or St. Aquinas, but somebody said the devil flees from laughter. And so the best thing in the world you can do is, you know, laugh so you don't cry. So I said, yeah, I'm on board. So we went to um, York College and he coached us via Skype for, oh, I don't know how many months. There was a whole bunch of us who decided to do it. And then um, the first thing we did, boy, it was like baptism by fire. We did a huge fundraiser um, in front of, I don't know how many, 400 people at the Pulo Center, right? And I was just like, my heart was beating so fast. And I'm like, please, God, just let me get through this and I'll have the stroke later, but not before. <laughs> so so that's, that's, and like some dude heckled me because I... I was wearing like a really short skirt and that guy was like, oh, you bend over. We're going to see a lot. And I was like, not for what you paid. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know, right? And I was like, ooh, boundaries, you know. So whatever. So that was the first one. And then the, the other one we did was um, a year later at the Country Club of Philadelphia. And that was another fundraiser. And it was funny because, you know, a lot of these comedy clubs and what they do is they have an open bar beforehand because people who are drunk are going to laugh more, obviously. So, <laughs> I mean, that's my, my theory. So I was like, oh, man, I really need a martini, but I can't. I got to wait. I got to wait. I got to wait. So that was why I said, you know, in the routine, this is probably the first time I've ever been at the country club and I haven't been drunk. It's amazing. What? So. Oh my gosh. That's funny. So out of all the characters that you played, do you have one specific that is your favorite? Oh gosh. Uh, actually, I don't know because one was my favorite because of the character. And that was the first one I did as the Marlene. I was a medium who she was sort of like the Whoopi Goldberg character in Ghost. Um, she was a medium who thought she could call ghosts, but she'd never seen one. So she wasn't sure. And that's what happens. There's this like big, crazy aha moment where Marlene does this this ritual and the Civil War ghosts come back. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I did it. What? So and, and again, the whole experience with Joe. 
uh, was so, oh man, I've been so fortunate so far because I have just met like the best people so far in this business. Joe was kind and gentle. And the one thing was working with Joe is like, you get, you get your script, you know, and then you get your rewrites and then you get on set and he's like, Hey, we're not doing that. Let's do this. And so I was like, well, good thing I like improv. I mean, he's fun. <laughs> it's like a wild west working with him, but it's awesome. He's great. He also is a producer on, I don't know what it's called. And I asked him to tell me so I could, he works as a producer on one of those like race cars in the South shows. So, cause like, he's really like energetic and just really, that's so good for him. So in fact, like I just Facebook him and I'm like, oh, I missed you. You know, I'm back after like the pandemic or whatever. And he's like, oh good. I want to make another movie with you. And I'm like, sweet. Cause he's like one of my favorite people. He's awesome. So awesome. now do you have a do you have a character or person that you you would like to portray that you haven't yet? Oh, you know who I really want to do. And I auditioned for this part and they decided not to do it. And it was I think it was for the History Channel a long time ago. I would love to play Nellie Bly. You, you know who she was, right? She was. Yeah. Like, OK, yes, I totally want to play Nellie Bly. I think I just would love to do that. I don't know if I'm right for it, but I think I'm probably in the right age range and the right. I don't know. I've always wanted to do it. There have been several things done that have been sort of like History Channel, like sort of documentaries. There was a, um, a movie with Christina Ricci who played like a Nellie Bly type character. So it's not like it's never been done. So, you know, maybe it's already been done too much. But gee whiz, if I could do that. Yeah, that would be awesome. That's great. I understand you do uh, many different accents, including, you know, Cockney and uh, German and you yeah. know, Irish. I mean, do you want to do some of the uh, character voices for us? Can you, can you please? <laughs> this, this is Since one of my been questions. Waiting the whole show for this. Absolutely. Well, I have um, the accent that was Madame Brion. So I do that one. Um, a lot of times when I switch to German now, a lot of times when you talk to people from Europe, uh, you notice that they may have uh, sort of an English accent because a lot of people in Europe are, are taught when they're young to speak English by the English people, the damn Sassanags, and that's why you're getting that. And then very much in Russia, you speak Russian or you got the gulag, and that's about the name of that tune. Oh my gosh, that was like rapid fire right there. That was okay, and I'll tell you, like, okay, my dad is like totally, my father was an engineer and a really brilliant guy, had several patents to his name, but all his life, he wanted to be an actor. And I think that he would like do all these accents when we were kids. And I listened to like, um, you know, Spike Jones and the City Slickers, like the old 78 speed records. Oh, yeah. I grew up listening to Spike Jones and Joe Stafford and Arthur Godfrey and all these people who did all these crazy accents and, and, and novel. I think they used to call them novelty records. Oh, yeah. Dr. Domeno and so forth. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. OK, so like I grew up on that kind of stuff. Because I have older parents, well, had older parents. So I grew up on those kind of things. So I think that everything sort of, again, leads you to that one place. But, you know, I, I would totally hope that, like, my dad, I, I spent so much time growing up with my dad. Not as much with my mom, but that's okay. But with my dad, he basically, like, raised my sister and me. And everything, I guess, everything that, like, I do in acting, I, you know, I, I you got to push the envelope. It's okay to say some cuss words, you know, it's all good. But I would hope that everything I do, I try to think, would my parents be proud of me now for doing this? And that's sort of like, that's sort of like my, I don't know what you would call it, my yardstick for, Your like... Your barometer? Yeah, like for how far I can go and how far I can't. And that's what I think. I think would would my parents be okay with this? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I see here Cockney English. And 
it never fails. Every single time I see or read the words Cockney English, I think of Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins. <laughs> oh, I know. And it's like step the worst time, accent step ever. No, no, he was like the worst accent ever. I mean, he really was. It's like, what the hell, dude? No. And that's like a really hard one to do. And it's like, there's so many different ones. And then there's like, I can't even do this. It's the accent. It's the Northern English accent that the people in Downton Abbey do. I could, if I could listen to it, I could reproduce it, but I can't just pull that like out of my head. What about Minnesota? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, you know. Oh yeah. You betcha. You know, cause Craig's from like Wisconsin and that one's real close. Oh yeah. You betcha. Hmm. Get a butter burger. That's awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh, you boys are so sweet. You're gonna have to come over for some tuna casserole with chopped up potato chips on top. Oh, that's what we do. That's good eating. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a, a current uh, actor or actress that you uh, really admire? Oh my gosh, I love Sandra Bullock. She's like my biggest girl crush ever. I, she is such a class act. I love everything she's done. She's somebody who has been in the industry now a long time, and she just is so wise with her scripts. Um, the same thing about Tom Hanks. Uh, he's so smart about the scripts yeah. that he picks. They're so perfect for him. Again, by all accounts, class acts, nice people. Um, I, you know, the old actors, I had, but you know who I used to like, this is so crazy, but of the old actors, I, I don't care if people know. I had a crush on Peter Lorre. Why? Oh, nice. I, yes. I know, right? That's like crazy, right? And everybody was all about Humphrey Bogart. I'm like, no, Peter Lorre, he's so cute. He was yeah. five foot four. His father was the manager of a bicycle factory. Whoa. Yeah. What advice would you give to uh, people that want to get into the acting business? Always have a part time job. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and I'm not going to lie, you know, you got to do that. And like, just, you kind of have to have a thick skin because this is an industry where there's a lot of people with a lot of power moving a lot of money who are passionate and creative and have kind of like possibly large egos. So like, you have to be prepared, not for the worst, but grow a thick skin and realize that if you know you're good, somebody else is going to know it too. Like, just keep auditioning. Yeah, like just keep going, keep going and get used to the rejection. It's not personal, my friend. It is not personal. It doesn't mean that like one time I was making a commercial for one of those like, ooh, call me late night, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm in a bathtub and I'm wrapped in a towel with like a turban on my head and whatever. And I'm doing the scene for the commercial. And I hear the I hear the producer off camera go, can you get her to act? Oh, <laughs> no. Burn. Oh. Wow. But, you know, it's just, it's got to roll off of you. You're not going to make it if you can't let that roll off of you. And just realize that, like, if, like I said, if, if you are good and you, and like, you have to, like, also, like, love what you do and just go with, like, what your strengths are. And so, look, I'm not, like, a glamour puss. I mean, I do some modeling and whatever, whatever, but I do like doing comedy. I really do. I enjoy it because I am so goofy. My friend, I am just goofy. Do you have anything kind of lined up currently in like in the upcoming months? Um, do you have any like events or anything? Or I, I know you're talking about possibly doing another movie, but is there anything um, that you can talk about um, that you'll be doing again? No, honestly, at this point, we're like, honestly, we're, we, things are just starting to get started again. Now they really are, you know, in the, in the thick of the pandemic, you know, we get casting alerts, right? Via text and whatever. And I mean, there was nothing. 
There was not, I had a friend who was a producer who does stuff for Discovery and the History Channel. He he is also a carpenter. That's what he did during the pandemic. I mean, it was that bad. So wow. things are just starting to get started again. Um, so I'm looking hopefully toward the future and let's see what happens. Like I said, hopefully we'll come back and we'll do our little portrayal with you all. Um, hopefully, you know, I, I would. I need, that's the one thing I need to do. I did update my acting resume. See, you all are good. You got me organized. I updated my acting resume and now I'm looking to get... Um, fresh headshots done and then the idea you know you just find the casting people in this area because i was with casting people in what they call the dmv which is dc uh, maryland and virginia so now i get with the people up here so hopefully as things start opening up things will start things will start coming in again that's awesome well best luck to you on that since you are now a Lidditz native or i would or now since you live in Lidditz. Um, what are some places that you love um, about Lidditz? And is there like a shop that you like particularly? Um, what what place what places can our listeners find you at? Oh well, well, always at the Bull's Head Tavern. <laughs> Uh, let's see. There's a really wonderful shot. And again, such nice people. In fact, you know it. It's called, I think, Men on Main or Main on Main. Oh, Main Men. Yeah, 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 yeah. That place is awesome. I love what the shops are doing now. The trend is really wonderful. Because uh, that lady, I believe, also works at the foundation. Yes, yes. Alicia. Yeah, because I was great. like, hey, I think I recognize you. Yeah. Yes. So anyway, that place is good. The trend now, I noticed, in a lot of the, the, the boutiques is this. The, the old and the new mixed together, which is wonderful. It's like something for everybody. So that's one of my favorites. There's a consign, and forgive me, I don't remember the name. I'm so it's a large thrift shop across the street. Matthew I, twenty Matthew twenty five. That's it. What a wonderful place. Yes. Oh my gosh. You can't lose there. I got a pair of like suede, like faux suede boots there for ten dollars. Ah, I wore those bad boys all last winter. Yes, I did. And as I get out and do more, because again, my experience here has been sort of isolated because I came up in the middle of the pandemic and so many things were closed. So I really do honestly look forward to getting out and discovering more. But that little downtown area of Lidditz is, is just lovely. It really is. I just I never get tired. Of, I'm always bugging Craig to go. Mm. Let's go. Let's go down there. Oh. It's like a kid who wants like a story read like a million times. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's funny, too. I found you on uh, Facebook. I saw that you shared our photos. And of course, that was the first night I met you with, you know, all made up and with the wig. And I, I looked at, I think that's her. And I'm not sure I friended the right person. But then I'm like, oh, yeah, it's definitely her. <laughs> yeah, it's me, dude. I know. And I guess that's a credit. To, like I said, really, typically for that, so I should have been wearing like the white face paint and the beauty mark and I thought oh man all I'm gonna do is sweat and rub that beauty mark across my face and that'll be the end of it um but I have like I said the we in the basement we divided it up between like his and hers like costumes and stuff and Craig calls his the bunker and we've called mine the bunkette so we feel free to come over and take pictures and look at all the costumes and whatever whatever because it took me forever when I moved up here to sort all that out because oh my gosh we just we just threw it in boxes, but it's all yeah. sorted out now. Yeah. Do you have a favorite like time period that you like to portray as as Great a character? Question. Great question. 
Yes, I do. Um, my absolute complete favorite is probably the 18th century era into the um, the Regency era, which would be like what you think of as Jane Austen. We don't do Regency. I would love to be on board with that, but there's only so much time and money. Plus, the clothing is flattering. It's so flattering. But the colonial era, definitely, because again, growing up in Maryland, there's a lot. We were obviously one of the original 13 colonies, like Pennsylvania. There's a lot of deeply steeped colonial history in the Baltimore area. And we have, you know, Fort McHenry and Federal Hill and Greenmount oh. Cemetery. And these were all places that we sort of haunted as as my dad would take us. Sure. You know, we he was a member of the Historical Society downtown for a while. I mean, Baltimore is just steeped in history. Yes. And, and again, Fells Point with our the mateys and the sailors. And we, we went to the Fells Point Pirate Festival. I mean, we it's so but colonial. Yeah, I really that's probably my favorite of all. Yeah. Edgar Allan Poe. Oh my gosh, yes, yes. I, I'm going to tell sort of like a dirty joke. So, okay. So, what's brown and sits in the litter box? Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, nice. <laughs> I, it's that, you can edit that out if it's inappropriate. No, no, that's fine. But the, yes, the reason I mentioned Edgar Allan Poe is because he's he's buried in, in, in Baltimore, too. A lot of people don't know that. That's correct. He is. And yeah. they do the birthday. See, you know the Baltimore thing. Oh, um, they go down it. there and I they do the there. birthday and the guy leaves the rose in the Now that gentleman has since um, died, but I think somebody else now has taken up the tradition, was, but it was always that great mystery. I was wondering about that because I remember re reading about that, that it stopped for a while. And I think I did read that the gentleman died. Yeah, and I believe now, because we in Baltimore love nothing more than no change at all and great tradition, I'm sure somebody else has picked it up. Um, and there's, you know, several really good Edgar Allan Poe characters that, that do their thing. And, you know, again, I grew up, see, this is like my dad is like, he was like so awesome. Like when I was a kid, that's what he would read me. The first thing I ever remember him reading me was The Pit and the Pendulum. And I'm like, what? So I grew up on that stuff. And I grew up with a very intelligent, engaged um, um, really kind of eccentric dad, you know? So yeah. I did, I was really for, and again, my mom was awesome too, but the quality time I really like, spent with my dad. I miss my mom too a lot. She was killed sure. in a car crash like five years ago. So. Oh, I'm sorry. So again, you know, what, but I just, yeah, Edgar Allan Poe and um, I've never been a huge baseball fan. My sister is a big baseball fan. So she would go to all the Orioles games with my oh. dad. And my mom and I would have like the day to ourselves to like do whatever. Oh my gosh. I, I, I haven't been to the city since the pandemic. And, and I know this is a Linux podcast, but again, my, my love of Fells Point and Baltimore, Camden Yards, Soundgarden mm -hmm. Music Store, Green Turtle, on and on and on. I mean, oh my gosh, I, I, I need to get there soon. And it's good to see that the, uh, the Inner Harbor shops are kind of starting to have life again too. But yeah, there's just, there's so much there. And, you know, it's, it's just, if you want eccentric and variety, oh, and you will never, ever get a bad meal in Baltimore. And that is for sure. There is no bad restaurant that ever lasts in Baltimore. People in Baltimore, they love good eating. You oh, know, yeah. you, that's what my dad would always say. He said, you're never going to get a bad meal in Baltimore. You get a tavern on every corner and you'll never get a bad meal. And What's most, not most, to love? And you got to love, you got to love Old Bay too, right? I yeah that's what you see Craig and I give him I, I bust his chops so much man because he's from Wisconsin right and I call him Wisconsin guy when it gets on because I want to I want to put old bay on everything I draw the line at ice cream but he's like oh oh what is that get it away from me oh and I'm like yeah yeah he won't eat steamed crabs I oh my land I haven't had steamed crabs in well since before the pandemic um but there's you know there's good stuff where you go everywhere so 
you know, and I'm not picky. I'm only picky about what I eat because I have to stay a certain size and because I have food allergies. But my friend, if I could eat whatever I wanted, I'd probably eat a sofa, you know? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I don't know how that would be, but anyway. Yeah. But right. yes, I love Old Bay. I love uh, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Tim, anything else for Cheryl? We ask all our guests on the podcast, do you like uh, milk or dark chocolate over buds? We don't have that in Baltimore. Did you say Wilbur Buds? Yeah. Wilbur Buds, yep. It's the, the, the never... chocolate here in Lidditz. Oh, gosh. I know, because I saw, like, the Wilbur factory, and, like, last October, just long story short, we were down there, and, like, I didn't know anything about this, and there was a line out the door, I guess, at the store, yep. and I'm like, what are they, giving away golden tickets? But apparently, <laughs> that was, like, a big deal. So, I've never had Wilbur chocolate. I've never had oh, it. Oh, you've got to try it. Gosh, all right. Uh, how about dark? All right. Dark? Finally. Yeah, most people say milk, and I like dark, and Tim likes well, the milk. Well, my mom so. always said that dark chocolate is better for you, and I think you can pair it better with red wine. So we'll go oh, with that. There you I'm go. <laughs> there you That's go. That's for it. There we go. <laughs> That's right. Tim, any, any other questions for Cheryl? No, just thank you for your time um, being on our podcast this week. And uh, um, if, if you'd like to share some of your social media um, handles that our listeners can kind of connect with you or see any of your work, um, I know we can try to share some of your YouTube videos if you like, um, but if there's any social media networks that you'd like to shout out. Yeah, tell us, tell us how our listeners can find you and, and uh, see more of your work. Actually, it's just I only really do Facebook. I really only do. I have seen, I try to be like kind of circumspect, not like, oh, I don't want anybody, but Instagram, I'm kind of, I'll be honest, I'm just lazy. You know, and so I tried to maintain an Instagram account. I'm like, oh, man, this is like hard work. Let's just dump it all into Facebook. And I know Facebook is like mostly like older people. But at this point, and maybe it would behoove me to like really maintain an Instagram account, but I don't tweet and I don't. So I'm mostly just find me on Facebook. And then if I go any further than that, which I probably should uh, not be lazy then. But that's for the future. But right now it's just Facebook. Okay, sounds great. We're All the right, Bull's Head. If you want to find me, I'll be at the Bull's Head drinking a vodka martini. What? <laughs> there you go. All right. Last question. What does being on stage mean to you? Oh, wow. I think for me, it mean, it keeps me from like going insane. It's like, it's like bomb for my soul and my mind. And if I can help me and make other people laugh or forget, I don't know, forget their problems or yeah. just entertain people. Oh man, it's like a win-win. That's why to me, acting is always going to be just a win-win, no matter what happens, you know? All right, Cheryl. Well, thank you so much for your time. We hope you had a, a, a great time on the show. And uh, I did. Thank you. Oh, of course. 